I got my LLC paperwork the day before I got laid off from my full-time job. And I'm a big believer in signs and destiny, maybe to a certain extent. And I took it as a sign from the universe. All right, Stephanie, like you stood it up, you've done the thing, time to give it a go and actually see what you can make of it. Welcome to the Self-Starter Podcast, a place where stories are shared from women, just like you, who left the colorless corporate world with an idea and a passion and ran with it to create the vibrant life they always wanted to live. My name is Megan Tobler, and every week I'll be bringing real women to you to share their entrepreneurial journey in hopes of inspiring you to take the very first step of your own. Sometimes the hardest part is just to start. So come on, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. Let's go. Sometimes the best businesses arise when you are facing adversity and you choose to turn it into an opportunity. And that's exactly what today's guest, Stephanie Middow, founder of Phoenix GTM Consulting did. In this episode, we explore her journey from facing a sudden layoff to going all in on her consulting business. She shares how she harnessed the power of networking, drawing upon the vibrant community she had already cultivated through the Enablement Squad, the importance of the relentless pursuit of knowledge, and her unwavering belief in challenging the status quo. If you've ever wondered how to turn challenges into opportunities, then this episode is for you. Stephanie, thank you so much for hopping on today and joining us for the Self-Starter Podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I am super excited to have you. And there's a specific quote on your website that I really want to dive into. It says that I shall either find a way or I shall make one. And you have clearly made your own way. You co-founded the Enablement Squad community, and you're also the CEO of Phoenix Go-To-Market Consulting. Before we dive into what each one of these are, like, can you just tell us a little bit more about who's Stephanie? Yeah, I feel like it's a loaded question, and I change my story a little bit every time somebody asks me. So let's see, who is who is Stephanie? Uh, my name is Stephanie Mida, and I've been kind of doing sales enablement, revenue enablement for the past six or seven years now. I'm based in Utah. Oh gosh. I don't even like, I don't even know what to say. I like to do paint by numbers. I feel like I'm an old, like 60 year old woman or something like that, but I love to do paint by numbers. I found that during COVID, it was just like super relaxing and stuff. Some of the stuff on my walls, like over here, like paint by numbers, which is kind of cool. I'm kind of an open book. I love it. I'm an old lady at heart too. So I'm all about this. I've never Well, I don't think I've done paint by numbers since I was a child, but I think I should get back into it because it's very much in line with like my old lady soul. They can be kind of intense now. Like the things are like super small. I have to put my glasses on like, so super old lady status of like, I'm watching TV in the background with like my glasses kind of like on my nose so I can see the painting and like whatever. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I am all for it. I mean, my husband makes fun of me because I'm the old lady that goes to bed at nine o'clock at night. So same. I was literally in Vegas just earlier this week. No joke. I was in bed at like 8 30, 9 o'clock and I was presenting. So like there were a number of other things that were like at bay, but I was no, like I'm just going to live my best life in my hotel room sleeping. <laughs> You're a girl after my own heart. I love it. <laughs> now you mentioned something about being in sales enablement. I know that yeah. you've been there uh, doing that role for seven to eight years at this point. So let's definitely dive into your sales enablement journey, because I think that has a huge impact on kind of where you are today. Absolutely. When I was growing up, I actually, I was going to be a teacher all through kind of my childhood and like into college. That was my journey in life um, or what I thought my journey in life was going to be. The grade always changed and fluctuated. But when I hit college, I was like, oh, I want to teach high school English. That's my jam all day long. 
then I had a little bit of a pre-quarter life crisis about a year before I was due to start student teaching. And I was like, oh my God, I don't think I actually want to be teaching anymore. And I had no direction. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I went and found kind of the first job that would hire me, which was the receptionist position. That's the only experience I had at the time. And it was for a large ERP software company based in Orange County. And basically like, I just kind of like fell and tripped into enablement. So I was doing deal desk order processing for a while. I was doing some sales operations. And then I found this position popped up on LinkedIn called sales productivity. And it was basically teaching and training sales teams, which I loved working with sales teams. And it was like teaching and training. I'm like, how more perfect could this be? So I ended up kind of like following that pathway and like been a couple of like jarring, you know, pivots here, there, just like anybody else's. But ultimately it's just like, okay, this is my jam. This is what I want to be doing forever. Well, maybe not forever, but at least for like right now. (laughs) Well, that's so interesting because you obviously had this itch to be a teacher. And I think for those people that aren't as familiar with sales enablement, there is such a teaching component to what you're doing. You're constantly onboarding new reps. You're really teaching them like the behind the scenes of what it takes to be really successful in their role and really developing their skills to be able to help take them to the next level. So it it was, sounds like a very natural transition from something that you were looking to do for a full-time job within the education space, but then you really went into the corporate world instead. Yeah. I don't have to deal with like parents or anything being upset that I'm not teaching their kids properly or, you know, keeping up to date with like kind of all of that stuff. It has its own challenges and its own stressors for sure. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, like that teaching bug and fire is always kind of like in my stomach and why not just kind of like follow it and see where it can take me. Absolutely. And kind of going back to that quote that you were talking about a little bit more, you had mentioned that it was really important for you to make your own way. How did you make your own way within the sales enablement space just in general? (laughs) So it actually kind of dawned on me yesterday when I was speaking at this conference, my friends were sending me pictures of me kind of like up on stage. And I was like, who is this woman? Like all of a sudden kind of in the past couple of years kind of become, because I used to like not be a risk taker. I used to just kind of like stay in my, in my cozy little box. And then there was a point in my career um, a few years ago where I was getting frustrated with the leadership kind of around me in the organization that I was at. And I was like, man, I like, I just kept thinking, I was like, I could do this better. I could lead my own enablement kind of function and I could stand something up from scratch. And as fate would have it, I ended up finding a job opportunity that moved us from Southern California out to Utah and would stand, basically stand up an enablement function from the ground up. And I was just cocky enough a few years ago to think that I could do it. And in reality, looking back, I did do it. There were multiple times where I was just like, oh my God, what am I doing? And I don't know anything. I can't even imagine which segues into that was me and my friend co-founded the Enablement Squad community, mostly out of like, for me, it was desperation of, I need that community around me to, to reassure me that like, yeah, what you're struggling with is what everybody else is struggling with and all of those kinds of things, which we can dive into a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it was just let's take a chance and see what happens, which was so against kind of my nature previously, which was play it safe, stay in the little safe box uh, in your comfort zone. And I've started taking more risks just like here, there and be like, well, what can this kind of take me to? Or what could this kind of do? Sometimes I don't recognize myself, but in like the best way possible, I'm like, wow, who is this person? (laughs) That's such a great feeling to be able to be like, wow, look at how far I've come. And I think that some of the best things come from taking those risks. I mean, I was definitely someone that played it safe and stayed in the box too, but eventually 
like you said, you kind of get to this almost breaking point where enough's enough. And it's like, you're tired of playing small, you're tired of playing it safe. And you want to be able to like really unleash yourself to do more and to be more. And I also want to kind of like caveat all of this with like, there's also nothing wrong with like the box. If you are comfortable in your comfort zone, like in the box, like that's your jam all day long. Yes. Live your best life. Do whatever makes the most sense for you. So like, there's no wrong way to like do anything. You can be in your comfort zone and be like, nope, this is what I want to stay and do. Amazing. That's exciting. You can also like want to break free and do your own thing. Amazing. Like that's great too. That's one thing that like, I'll just kind of like underline this entire conversation of don't feel like you should do these other things because you see all these other people doing the stuff. Like if you have a pull to do it, if you have a drive to do it, like, man, I wish I could do that. Great. But like do a little bit of internal kind of reflection of like, is that what I want for myself? Is that even who I am? And if it's not, that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that at all. So I just want to like add that kind of disclaimer at the bottom. Like there is nothing wrong with staying in your comfort zone and living your best life and like playing it safe. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I agree with you, but I think to kind of double down on what you just said, but if you have that fire within you, that's really burning for more, it's okay to listen to that voice and to jump outside and take that risk. Confidence comes from doing. And I know when you said you got the job opportunity in Utah and you uprooted your life to really spearhead this new enablement initiative, it was a new opportunity for you. And you probably didn't know exactly what you're doing, but you you just yeah. went for it. And I think that that's a really big lesson in what you've done throughout your entire career, which we'll, we'll definitely dive into. It's like, you're making these paths for yourself, which I think yeah. is really inspiring. I'm incredibly lucky too, to have an incredibly supportive partner as well. We had literally been in our brand new house that we had bought in Riverside County for nine months before I got the opportunity to move out here to Utah. And luckily it's just me and my husband, but we looked at each other and I was like, are you sure that you want to do this uproot everything for me? Like for this opportunity for me? And he was like, absolutely. Like this is something that we can't pass up. So I'm incredibly blessed to have a really supportive partner by my side to just be like, all right, come on, like, let's go. I'm going to support you in everything, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Well, huge shout out to your husband, because that is the kind of partner that you want by your side for sure. So I'm going to link arms with you and say like, honey, let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So you moved to Utah to build out this enablement function and down the line created the enablement squad out of of necessity for what you felt was missing within the enablement space. So let's definitely dive into what's the enablement squad. So it's an online Slack-based community for enablement professionals or anybody who's interested or interacts with enablement professionals. It's a place to just kind of collaborate, share struggles, ask questions, share celebrations. If you don't have kind of that crowd internally at your company, that'll give you kind of like the, oh my gosh, hell yes, like this is amazing. Come to the squad and like, we will be your cheerleaders, kind of like your virtual cheerleaders too. So it's a really great space that we've kind of developed and it started expanding kind of outwards. I think we're closing in on, I think, 3000 members in our Slack community. And when my co-founder and I kind of put it together, we initially were just like, how wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing if we got like a hundred people together that we could just like have on the Slack channel. And, and now we're like, I mean, we've built it into this amazing community, basically organically of people just like, come find your people and ask questions and give advice and share and collaborate. It's, it's been phenomenal to kind of watch. That's absolutely amazing. Over 3000 members when you thought it was just going to start with a small group of a hundred. 
How did you initially get those first few people to be able to jump on board and to join the community? I literally sent out LinkedIn messages to a few of the other enablers that I had connected with previously, which at the time, like back then, my network wasn't nearly as big as it is now, which is just shocking to me too. I was just like, hey, we're starting this thing. I think it might be cool. We would love to have you if you're interested. And the great thing about Slack is like, we're on a free Slack plan basically. And it's one of those things where it's just come in and like, we've got a lot of lurkers that don't feel comfortable sharing, which is totally fine. We've got a lot of people that are constantly providing like feedback and everything. So I think it's also just by nature enablement we're helpers and we like to support people on the teams and stuff in the organization. So inevitably we like to support each other too. So developing that kind of community and having that real time, you can ask a question while you're in a meeting with a stakeholder. Sometimes you can get a response fairly instantaneously, which is really, really nice of before the meeting even ends. Hey, I've got this great idea that I just found online. Well, and I think a lot of the enablement folks just in general are natural born teachers. So being able to congregate all of these people together in this community, I'm sure everything's just like buzzing nonstop with just educational content because everyone's really there to help each other grow and to learn and to develop. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. (laughs) It really is amazing. Matt's my co-founder. We're incredibly proud of everything that we've done with it. You should be. I know you mentioned you've grown it to over 3000 members at this point. If someone's in the enablement space and and really looking to join, like how would they go about doing that process? Yeah, literally go on Google, search for the enablement squad. Um, We've got a website up that'll give you kind of a lot of different resources as well. And there's a giant join now link kind of in the top, fill out a little Google form for us to give us some information on where our members are kind of like located and their experience levels and that kind of stuff. And then you'll get a link to join the Slack channel. Like I said, everything is free. There's no like sign up or membership or anything like that. So you just literally just give us a little bit of demographic information and then ta-da, like you get into the Slack channel. It's great. What a wonderful way to be able to kind of <laughs> develop your your own skill sets while you're simultaneously working in corporate. And it, it sounds like you created this out of a need and a necessity that you had. And then it's just yeah. been able to skyrocket because clearly other people have that same type of need. Because no one teaches you this kind of stuff growing up in school. It's just like, okay, here's your degree. If you have a degree, some people, you don't need one these days. So it's like, okay, well, figure it out. And how do you do that? Well, join the enablement squad. We'll help you. (laughs) Yeah, I was definitely struggling with a lot of imposter syndrome in that role specifically. I mean, I, I still do even years later, but it was this idea of, I'm seeing all these other thought leaders kind of in the space telling me to like get alignment and, you know, collaborate and like whatever. And I was like, but I don't understand what that means. Like, what does that conversation look like? What is the tactical kind of like every little piece do? Because growing up, my parents weren't in the business world. Like I didn't really have any modeling for like for what any of this kind of looked like. So for me, it was a literally know nothing. Like, I don't even know how to start a conversation or what words to use or like what any of this kind of is. So for me, it was just reaching out kind of, I mean, I say selfishly, but maybe it wasn't so selfish of somebody for the love of God, just like point me in the right direction and like, tell me brass tacks, like bake it down for me. Like I'm a five-year-old. What do I do? Like, how do I do this? And I had a feeling if I was feeling that way, a lot of the new enablers that were coming into the space would probably feel similarly. So like, let's kind of create that safe space for people to learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And so how did you really leverage that safe space within the enablement squad to be able to take it back and use all those learnings within your corporate gig. 
I literally just asking questions. Hey, has anybody spun up a, a framework or a training for discovery or something, you know, something basic or even something super complicated? Um, we've started getting into how do you write an enablement charter or what are some, like you can get as strategic or as in the weeds as you need to get with your questions. And then I would typically, like if somebody would give me a response to something, I direct message them on the side and be like, I would love to buy you a virtual coffee or something like that. Can I pick your brain on what you kind of sent and like really dive into it a little bit more, which I know a lot of people have also kind of leveraged of, hey, I saw your comment. Can I meet with you virtually over Zoom? And we can reel into that a little bit more. That's how I've definitely leveraged it before is if it wasn't enough information, like, hey, I would love to take this kind of offline and meet one-on-one -on -one if you're open to it. I've even seen like groups of people get together and say, hey, this is a topic I'm interested in too. I would love to have that session. We've got just like random pop-up sessions that people pull together, you know, without any facilitation from any of our squad leadership team and they meet on their own and it's fantastic. It makes you wonder what people did back in the day before internet, how they figured things out because community oh is really everything these days. Like we're yeah. all growing together because we're leveraging our connections. You're asking yeah. questions, you're having these coffee chats and that's making you a better employee, a better entrepreneur in your case, yeah. just more well-rounded business yeah. person, I guess, is, is what I'm <laughs> trying to say. I just scratch my head. Like how did our parents and grandparents do this? I don't yeah. know. I mean, the speed at which everything is growing now, I think is, I mean, all of that is a culmination of all of the things that you just mentioned of it back in the day, you kind of had to like wait and find somebody just like maybe at the grocery store or something like you would just like cross paths with them randomly. And now the benefits of kind of being connected, you know, on the internet, I mean, it's just exponentially kind of taken our society in some positive directions, maybe some negative directions too along with it, which is to be expected. But that interconnectivity between each other has really just kind of propelled everything forward. Yeah, it's been at an exponential rate, that's for sure as, as well. You've obviously leveraged the enablement squad within your corporate career and you had yeah. A really great run in corporate, but earlier this year, you decided to go all in on your own business with Phoenix Go-To-Market Consulting. So yeah. what kind of was that pivotal moment when you decided that you really wanted to start something of your own? It's always been in the back of my mind of, hey, I should think about or look into consulting. I always thought it was going to be further down in my career, though. Initially, I had this goal for myself to be VP level before or around the time that I was 40 years old. Then like after that, then I was like, oh, and then maybe once I hit that like echelon of, you know, the corporate ladder, where else do you go from there? Like maybe I'll look into consulting at that point. My husband had been in my ear just like, maybe you should do it on the side. Maybe you should, maybe you should like trial it out and, and see kind of what it's like. And towards the end of this past year, I was seeing the market, like there was murmurings of mass layoffs that were happening. I was starting to see enablement teams being cut. The organization that I was at at the time had already done one round of layoffs, unfortunately, a couple of months earlier. And so over Christmas break, we got the week between Christmas and New Year's off. And I was like, well, let me just go and like stand up some stuff. Let me create this company. Let me look into like LLC. Let me create a website and I'll just kind of have it as a safety net for myself. I'm essentially kind of like the the main breadwinner within kind of our family. So like making sure that I had something, it's like, we got a mortgage to pay, we got bills to pay. Like, I want to make sure that we're safe and that I can kind of, you know, take care of all of those things too. So it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, let me stand everything up and see what happens. And then literally I got my LLC paperwork the day before I got laid off from my full-time job. And it was one of those things where to me, I'm a big believer in signs and 
destiny maybe to a certain extent. And I was like, I took it as a sign from the universe of like a kick in the ass of, all right, Stephanie, like you stood it up, you've done the thing, time to like give it a go and actually see what you can make of it. I wish it was one of those, oh, I just decided to like leave my job and <laughs> and like go all in on it. But sometimes you need that kick in the ass from the universe to be like, okay, like let's see what's what. And I knew that the market for its leadership, enablement leadership was tough. At the moment, I saw so many other amazing enablement leaders looking for jobs and struggling to find work. And I was like, okay, that just terrifies me. Let me see if I can make kind of my own way and see what I can make of it. And if I can't, at least I know I tried. That's what this year, this 2023 year is, is figuring out, let's see if I like it too, which is also kind of that self-reflective piece. Maybe I'm not going to like consulting. Maybe I want to go back into a full-time role, which is fine. And can I actually make something of my business? So giving myself kind of the challenge and the grace to explore it and be okay with whatever outcome comes from it. Well, and your company name was very strategic as well. And I think it ties very well into the story that you just told about how you got started. Can we just walk through like how you came up with Phoenix GDM Consulting? I had another name picked out initially for what I wanted my consulting firm to kind of be. And I was like, it just doesn't fit. Like, I don't like it. I didn't want it to just be like my name either, because ideally thinking kind of future state, I would love to maybe potentially build this into a larger legit kind of consulting firm with other people underneath it. And I don't want it to just be my name. I've always been fascinated with the Phoenix, the fictional character of the Phoenix bird, Harry Potter, like, I mean, X-Men, you've got like, I mean, it's all over the place. So for me, it was this idea of rebirth and rising from the ashes. And again, at the time, I had no idea that I was going to be laid off. It just seemed like kismet. I literally just like went through Canva and I was looking through kind of all of their different icons and stuff like that. And I I found one of, of a Phoenix bird that I just fell in love with. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want my thing to be. It, it connected. And then sure enough, like I've gotten so many compliments on, on the name. I don't know. It just, all of the puzzle pieces fit together. I also believe in signs. And I think that, like you said, this is all very kismic on your website. Yeah. You mentioned that the Phoenix represents things like strength and transformation, fire and passion, yeah. rebirth an opportunity. And it's just a reminder that no matter what setbacks you encounter, you have the ability to overcome them. You really were proactive. You recognized that there was a theme going on in the corporate world, especially in the tech world where you and I came from, that there were a lot of layoffs and the people that were getting cut, unfortunately, enablement was one of the first groups to be cut. I personally think that they are an extremely needed group because (laughs) we constantly need to develop the reps that are selling your product. But companies are unfortunately weeding out certain departments and enablement was one of them. So you recognize that you could be next and you did something about it. Going back to kind of staying in the box, it's totally okay if you don't have that fire and passion within you to start thing of your own. But you also recognize that you are the primary breadwinner within your family. And what would you do if something like that happened? So you decided to get this started. And then as fate had it, you were let go. And this was the little push that you needed to get going. So you mentioned you started the website, you started your LLC. How did you get your first client? So before I was laid off, um, I actually announced on LinkedIn, I think it was like January 3rd or something like that. I announced on LinkedIn to my network that I was opening up kind of this consulting practice on the side, that it wasn't going to interfere with my full-time work at the time, and that I was looking for, you know, first couple of clients, let's talk, let's have a conversation. Oddly enough, I actually had a number of enablement professionals reach out to me 
and say like, hey, if you ever open up or you start doing coaching for other enablement professionals, let me know. I would be very interested in taking part in that, which to me is like incredibly humbling that somebody would want to pay me money to help them through kind of some of the things that they're struggling with. So I don't advertise it. I actually don't have it as an offering on my website or anything like that. But for people who have reached out to me on the side and where it makes sense, like I don't have a coaching certification. I'm very upfront and honest with that. Like I'm not a trained coach by any means. So I would say it's more probably advisory services, but that was my first client. It was somebody that I had connected with them a number of times previously, and she was willing to kind of take a chance on me and forever grateful for that. And then I started seeing like, once I I signed on to like coaching advisory clients before I was laid off. And then once I kind of opened up my business, I announced my layoff on LinkedIn and said basically like, all right, all in on Phoenix now. Then I started getting some people coming through. And it's interesting. I think one of the things that people have asked me is how are you getting clients? How are you marketing? And to be honest with you, all of my referrals have come in through people that I've either worked with in the past or have met with one-on-one on just like networking calls and stuff like that. So growing my network starting like a few years ago has been one of the most beneficial things to me and my business that I possibly could have asked for. And then word of mouth just start spreading, which is humbling and, and I'm blessed and grateful. I mean, all of the feelings definitely triggers some imposter syndrome along with it of like, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I got started in the ball rolling. You mentioned like growing your network as far as like when you built out the enablement squad, obviously you had kind of that community within the Slack space there, but for people that are maybe not in enablement and looking to grow their community and their network, what kind of advice would you give people to really start making these connections and really be proactive in the networking process? So when I first started, the word networking just kind of terrified me. I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand what goes into it. It sounded like fancy cocktail parties at like, you know, skyscraper businesses and stuff like that. And in reality, it's quite literally just talking to people in like a real one-on-one kind of conversation. So what I would definitely recommend is just be genuine with your outreach of, hey, I saw your experience. This is an area that either I'm in or I'm interested in exploring. And this is like my favorite thing of like, when you ask for time, maybe offer to buy, like I'll send you like a $5 DoorDash gift card so you can get some Starbucks or whatever it is. It would love to pay you for kind of your time basically in a way to give me some guidance and you'll run into both sides. Some people will be very giving, especially depending on the profession. Some people will be like, nope, not interested or I don't have time and that's okay. But that's the biggest thing is maybe identify what you're looking to learn to come with a notebook full of questions and just be like, I'm going to just kind of like speed round and like lightning fire uh, questions at you. But that would be where I would start is just come being humble, come being curious and incredibly thankful for people even taking time. And for me, it's all like to put good karma back into the universe. They sound really wooey, but I would love for somebody else to give me their time. So of course, I'm going to give somebody else my time and just be aware of how are you spending that time with this other person? Are you making it worth their while as well? Is there anything you can offer them? Give and get is really important. It's really interesting because obviously you have this teacher element to everything that you do. It's just innate inside of you, but it sounds like you also are very much the student. You're constantly looking to grow. And I think that is key in any entrepreneurial journey is constantly being willing to be the student, no matter how far along you are in your journey, there's always someone that you can learn from. I think that's really an important part of what you just talked about. 
yeah, I'll be the first to admit it that like, I don't know everything and Lord help me if I ever think that I do. I like to learn from other people, their experiences, their background, their vision, or like their angle on a certain topic is always going to be different than mine because we come from different backgrounds. And to me, it's maybe I'm like two blinders, like focused on what I'm trying to solve. And I need that outside perspective to come in. But yeah, I love talking to people. I love learning about their background and like what they're doing and like how they would approach a project. To me, it's fascinating. It's fun. So coming in with kind of that mentality of like genuine curiosity, it can be a game changer when you're talking to other people of like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Like, tell me more about that. Find what resonates with you. Genuine curiosity. Those are the key terms that you just mentioned because it needs to be like you said, that give to get, you can't just go in and make it all about yourself. Like you really have to make it also about that other person and be genuine about it because people can feel when it's fake, you know? Absolutely. Yes. It can be, it's typically like innate, but if that's something that you're really interested in, typically that genuineness will come out of, tell me more about that. What does that look like? And drill into it. Right. And your genuineness clearly has worked because you have (laughs) built a business off of referrals and networking. So we haven't dove into what exactly Phoenix go-to-market consulting does. What kind of companies and and people are you working with? And really, what do you do? This is the most exciting part. Um, So I labeled it GTM consulting again with kind of potentially scale in mind for future state. As it is right now, it's just a little team of me. Like this, this is it. So we're kind of focused on right now, enablement, contracting, and consulting work. I initially was kind of laser focused on startup organizations because that's what I prefer to kind of play in. But I've gotten several larger enterprise clients that have come in. Basically what we're working on now is anywhere between do you not have enablement at all at your organization? You're looking to maybe stand it up or maybe you have somebody in seat right now, but they are more junior. They don't have as much experience. You need somebody to kind of come in and strategize around what enablement looks like. I've had some conversations with sales leaders who are just like, We know something's wrong in the business, but we can't quite put our finger on it. We need somebody to come in that's seen this before, knows what questions to ask and can kind of point us in the right direction. So everything from like strategy and all of that, all the way through to full-blown execution. One of my first clients that I had, they were uh, the enablement leader kind of on the team and they were building out an entire onboarding program. They literally just needed somebody to come in and create the trainings for the program. Like they had everything already mapped out. So I didn't have to worry about the strategy. It was, hey, Steph, can you come in and just help us create these trainings and stand all of this stuff up? It's been a really fun challenge because I get exposure to large companies, to small companies, to we need strategy, we need execution and delivery and training and like everything in between. So it keeps me on my toes on a pretty regular basis, which is exciting. And I, I'm definitely the type of person where I've told most of my managers this in previous organizations where if I get bored, that's a really bad place for me to be, where if I'm just kind of in that hamster wheel doing the same thing over and over and over again, I'll start looking for work elsewhere in the organization or potentially maybe even outside of the organization. And this is keeping me like it's stretching and challenging my skills and abilities and playing to my strengths as well. So it's a really nice combination of the two so far. And I saw that your least favorite phrase is we've always done it this way. So (laughs) that very much ties into what you were just saying. Like if you're just on that hamster wheel, just going in circles and circles, you're never really going to get anywhere. It's always like over and over again and expecting a different result. Exactly. Yeah. Clearly you are not insane. So (laughs) (laughs) 
you like a little bit of a challenge, Sometimes. but I also have to say like, thank goodness your husband was so supportive of your move from Riverside to Utah, because it sounds like the experience that you gained being able to really lay the foundations of this enablement program at that current company at that time is allowing you to take that knowledge of when you really birth something up from the beginning and do it at other different companies and really take a consultative approach and to keep things interesting. So that way people are not having to do it the same way day after day and be on that hamster wheel. Absolutely. And with the way that the market is right now, the way that businesses are changing so, so quickly, the businesses that don't take fresh approaches to, I mean, honestly, anything across their organization are going to fall behind the curve no matter what. And it's those companies that are thinking through, okay, maybe we've always done it this way but that's not working anymore. And they're not afraid to be like, we need to blow that up. We need to try something different. We need to do different things. And I mean, I've even seen it just in the past couple of years with enablement of what we used to be doing kind of with training of let's jump on a Zoom meeting or whatever. Post COVID, we've got TikTok. We've got all this information coming at us at like lightning speed. We can't do the same things anymore. So, I mean, I've even seen it in the short career that I've had so far things are pivoting so quickly of what used to work doesn't work anymore, just in the matter of a couple of years. Oh, well, we've always done that process or whatever. It's like, yeah, but is it serving your organization now? Probably not. So let's take a different approach to it. Let's look at things from a different angle. So outside of leveraging the enablement squad community to understand kind of the different pivots that need to be made based on what's going on in just our environment, how are you staying up to date with the latest trends of what's working and, and clearly what's not? I am a big fan of webinars. So my learning style, I actually do prefer lecture a lot of times. So kind of like absorbing that information. I don't like podcasts though, for some reason, like I like to see like the video and the live stuff. I do a lot of podcasts and I know that that's a learning center for everybody, which is fantastic. Again, find what works best for you. For me, I actually like lecture style first, and then I like to get hands-on with something in like a workshop or something like that. So attending conferences, attending webinars, like signing up for different things, researching eBooks, all of that stuff going on LinkedIn. And I've got a list of people that I follow kind of regularly everywhere. So again, going back to kind of the learner stuff, feed into my brain as much stuff as I possibly can, because that's how I learn best. Yeah, it goes back to you constantly being the student, constantly evolving and yeah. in your craft here. But I have to ask, because obviously entrepreneurship is relatively a new journey for you. So what yeah. kind of challenges or even hurdles have you faced along the way in just the past few months? Oh my gosh. I mean, everything. I didn't know if I should be a sole proprietorship or an LLC or nothing at all. Like I know other enablement contractors who actually aren't incorporated in any way, shape or form. They're just kind of out there doing their thing. So I had to like, uncover what makes the most sense for me and my business. I had to figure out, okay, well now I need to open up a business tracking account and now I need to like link it to my QuickBooks account and I need to figure out how to do invoicing and how do I set up a website. Some people that I've chatted with before who have also kind of branched out on their own recently are hiring experts and people to do that, which I am all for that as well. But for me, it was kind of an interesting challenge to be, okay, well, I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn how to create it. Let me create my own website. Let me go and create my own logo. Let me go and kind of like do my own bookkeeping and figuring out kind of like how that works. Literally every part of the entrepreneurial journey I've struggled with and there's still stuff that I just wasn't aware of. Um, Business checking account, like I was like, for some reason I got like slapped across the face with it, metaphorically speaking of, yes, I need a business checking account to be able to like have everything. And like, I should probably have a credit card dedicated to those kinds of things. And 
oh, I need to create my own sales pitch deck, which that's also been an interesting journey for me. I've never been a seller before. I came through to enablement by way of sales operations. So I've never sold, but I've told sellers and like relayed kind of these best practices. So I've started realizing, oh, I need to figure out what's my messaging? What's my pitch to my clients? What's my value add for those things? And taking a step back and just being like, okay, I need to define that first and then I can speed forward and like go forth and do the things. How do I create a business case? How do I create a proposal? I mean, all of these things I'm online, like HubSpot has actually like their blog is shout out to whoever's running their blog because they've got everything for entrepreneurs, I would say of like, how do you create a sales proposal and different things like that and all of those kinds of fun things. So gosh, literally everything I've struggled with, but I take it as a challenge to, well, let me learn a little bit about that and see if I can do it myself. Well, I think that's something to be said about doing it yourself, especially at the beginning, because you plan on growing this beyond yourself eventually from the conversation today. Yeah. It sounds like that. So when you make your first hire and your second and so on and so forth, you now have another level of respect for what these people are going to be dealing with in their day-to-day -day yeah. jobs, but you're also putting processes in place. And I think that's also yeah. where your enablement background comes into place. Like you're probably going to have all this material ready to just pass along <laughs> to them. So it's easy to implement and they know exactly what they're doing. They have a little playbook ready to rock and roll. Ideally. Phoenix GDM <laughs> consulting. <laughs> Ideally. Yeah. And that's the other like level that I know once I start expanding my business past where I'm at right now, there's going to be so many more things that I have to take into consideration. Healthcare and like, I mean, all of those little pieces that you just kind of forget about, like, how do I do a 1099? How do I figure, I mean, all of those pieces are going to hopefully ideally kind of come in the not too distant future, but I'll have to learn all those stuff, all those things too. <laughs> and you know what the beauty is, is that you can learn it as it comes. You don't have to exactly. overwhelm yourself with everything right away. When it arises, exactly. you figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've done a wonderful job figuring everything out so far. So I cannot wait to follow your journey and see where everything <laughs> takes you. If Thanks. someone is really looking to outsource their enablement and to eventually work with you, how could they go about finding out more information about what you're doing over at Yeah, Phoenix? So they can go to my website, phoenixgtmconsulting.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. I've got links through to kind of everything but reach out to me and let's have a conversation. And that's the great thing about like me and my network is that if I'm not the right person or if I don't have kind of the skills that you're looking for, I can find you the right person. Like, let me put you in contact with somebody else who can help you. But even if you're not sure what you need help with, let's have a conversation. Let's kind of drill into it a little bit more. I love uncovering pain and like what's happening. So let's see what you need and if I can help. I love it. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for just sharing your story today. You clearly embody yeah. the Phoenix in general. Again, thank you so much for sharing your story with the self yeah. list today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. How amazing was it that Stephanie's LLC was approved the day before her layoff? If that wasn't a sign for her to go all in on her venture, then I don't know what is. Stephanie is someone who is always looking for ways to improve, both in her corporate and entrepreneurial life. It's clear as can be since her least favorite phrase is, we've always done it this way. As an entrepreneur, that phrase will not take you far. Things change and they change quickly. It's important for you as a business owner to always be willing to alter your processes based on what's working and what's not in order to continue to move forward in an upwards direction. And one of the ways Stephanie recommends to seek out improvement is to find others ahead of you within your network and to pick their brain. Treat them to a coffee and come prepared with intelligent, well thought out questions to ask. And remember to stay humble and curious too. So let me ask you, self-starter, who are you going to ask to that coffee meeting?
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Self Starter Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to like and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. Want even more? Be sure to head to selfstarter.com. And remember, start today for you, start today for her, and become a self-starter. See you next time.